how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters. Did Home Alone, Rowan John uses career, the greatest movie never made, and how Jackie Chan creates perfection through failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. As a kid, Aaron Rashawn Thomas could be described as a good kid living vicariously through his bad kid friends. Essentially, he took his perspective with him to the page. Now he's written for shows like Friday Night Lights, Numbers, CSI New York, Southland, The Get Down, and SWAT, where he's the co-creator. He also says he's got a love-hate relationship with human beings, which comes alive in his silver screen characters. Thomas' series SWAT comes from IP, but has a new spin on it. The description reads, The story follows a locally born and bred SWAT sergeant and his team of highly trained men and women as they solve crimes in Los Angeles. The series stars Shamar Moore, Alex Russell, and Lena Esco. In this interview, Thomas discusses Artur filmmaking moving into television, nurturing creative pursuits, lessons from iconic showrunners, a mindset on skill set from Kobe Bryant, doing your research for entrepreneurial climbs, and his hopes for future protégés. I mean, initially, there was, of course, aside from the love of um, of being able to create, you know, I think there's an inherent um, satisfaction with connecting with human beings. You know, I, I tend to find that my opinion, everyone is a storyteller on some level, even if you're just telling a loved one about your day or telling a joke or even trying to give directions to a party. Um, I tend to find that oftentimes the best ways, most effective ways to communicate with human beings is storytelling. So I think there's an inherent love of that on my part. And also I have a love-hate relationship with human beings, just to be honest. I think um, we're fascinating in that we can be super generous, um, considerate, and at the same time, in the same bodies, be narcissistic and selfish and cruel. And, you know, that um, that disparity to me is always fascinating. So I love writing about that. You know, as a kid, I was kind of the good kid who wrote about his bad friends, you know, so I lived vicariously through a lot of um, the kids that I grew up with. Um, 
who didn't always make it past the age of 18. And so a lot of times I was kind of their voice, you know, to tell their stories at a young age. And, you know, receiving encouragement from my friends and family kind of sparked something in me to, to keep going with it and eventually explore ways to make a living doing it. Mm -hmm. What were some of the, so you kind of got started around uh, the mid 2000s. What were you looking to, how was television changing as you started to kind of enter that landscape, especially with, you know, good guys and bad guys and the gray area and some of that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I came up in, in the era where storytellers were shifting from the paradigm of wanting to be the writer, director, feature, independent feature person. You know, people aspired, you know, coming out of the 90s to still be Tarantino or Spike Lee or Paul Thomas Anderson or Spike Jones or whoever you want to choose, Soderbergh. And what you started to see, um, I think, with the changing financial landscape of features were fewer of those films being made and more ambitious television shows, you mm -hmm. know, coming out of that era. So that was, I came up in a really fortunate time where I was able to see the shift from Goodfellas to Sopranos, basically, mm -hmm. where um, a lot less Goodfellas being made, but all of a sudden you had shows like The Sopranos, Sex in the City, The Wire, um, Deadwood, you know, Six Feet Under. And so with that, I think also came the paradigm of the auteur filmmaker kind of shifted into this thing called the showrunner, you know, mm -hmm. which had always existed, but not publicly and not really with any kind of fame attached to it. All of a sudden we started to know who was in charge of these shows that we enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you started to become aware that there was a David Chase, you know, that there was a David Simon, you know, um, and for me, as a as an African American, I started to take that even further. You know, I started to be aware that there was an Yvette Lee Bowser. You know, there, there was, uh, you know, the, kind of who the the showrunners are. Um, you know, behind the shows that that I grew up uh, watching. You know, um, losing her name. Um, 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 trying to think about it. it's. Uh, I'm thinking about the Cosby Show, and I'm thinking about shows like A Different World. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are shows that I grew up on and I started to look into who were who responsible for, you know, creating these shows. Debbie Allen, you know, mm -hmm. being, being the creative force, one of the big creative forces behind a show like A Different World. But anyway, with this, though, and with the awareness of there being a true um, artistic vision behind these long form storytelling um, mm -hmm. opportunities, then I think people like myself start to look at you know, if you really truly enjoy telling stories, you know, and you have an opportunity to do it over the course of 60 hours as opposed to two hours, yeah, you know, that's a pretty appealing um, option. You know, mm -hmm. it's the idea of really being able to dive into character, really being able to give them multiple dimensions, um, and also the political power aspect of the writer's king in TV, where you can actually have a vision and execute it through collaboration and not be seen as the, an afterthought, you know? You can raise the kid, so to speak, and not simply birth the kid and have someone else, you know, take it and do with the script with what they will. I'm a big believer that the story is the soul of any project. And so the idea of being able to nurture that soul to fruition, you know, it's just, you know, that's, um, it's invigorating, you know, it was invigorating. so. My aspirations definitely coming out of the 2000s was like, I want a piece of that. 
you know, I definitely I want to try to explore that as much as possible. Um, and, you know, and just seeing more and more material come out and with ambitions that we hadn't seen before, you know, I, I think this allowed a lot of us in my generation to, to be able to, to look to, you know, stories and characters that wouldn't have existed otherwise in features, you know, and look to TV and now streaming, you know, as a way to, to explore worlds with, uh, with more detail. Are there some like personal examples that come to mind? So you mentioned some of the people you look to, but like you wrote on Friday Night Lights, which kind of transitioned from white quarterback to Michael B. Jordan's story as the show went on and CSI and the get down. What are some of those things you learned working with showrunners and your fellow writers in the writer's room? A few things, you know, I've been very fortunate um, to work with some of the most talented showrunners there are in the business. You know, I, I started off my career working with Jason Kadams on Friday Night Lights. I was fortunate um, later to work with John Wells on Southland. Um, and I partnered up with Sean Ryan um, to create SWAT on CBS. Um, if anything, you know, what I look at is that every showrunner has different strengths, you know, and and I'm a big sports fan. I, I use sports analogies quite a bit, but I'll try to limit it, you know, in, in our discussion. But the late um, Kobe Bryant used to use a technique where in every offseason he would look to gather more strengths, more more skill sets that he that either he didn't have or he wanted to sharpen. I look at it the same way when it comes to writing. With every writer that I work with, I'm always keen to look at what are they really, really great at. And how can I add to my own, you know, portfolio? So, you know, in the case certainly of of Kadams, um, you know, one of the things I definitely picked up on was, you know, you can get a pretty great hour of television if you're able to allow the audience to empathize and well to laugh and also empathize within the same hour of of an episode. Um, generally, you're going to find a pretty satisfied audience. Um, you know, I, I find that, um, you know, that's no mistake for a guy like him who comes from the playwriting background. I found with John Wells, um, you know, having a strong theme, you know, and understanding how themes work. You know, we all use that word kind of interchangeably, but to really understand how to use a theme and then explore it over the course of an entire series, but also from episode to episode, what is that episode about ultimately other than entertaining the audience what are you really trying to say and explore if you have to boil it down um and then certainly with sean ryan um you know the idea of of being very clear about organizing you know your stories um you know being very clear about exactly how you want to execute what are the priorities um and from a macro level being able to organize seasons in a way where even if it's a 22 to 24 episode season, um, being able to break those seasons down into smaller elements, you know, to tell these stories. Um, you know, I mean, here's the thing, I think with, with any of those, um, any of those showrunners, it's, it's always kind of looking at what can best complement what you're trying to do. So for me, the desire has always been to bring Tiffany programming, you know, wherever I go. And in the case of, major networks, we've seen a shift where there's a time where they're their only game in town, you know, um, before streaming, before cable. And we've seen that, you know, that paradigm only expand, you know, as we go to the point now where we're at peak television, we have more content on the air than, than ever. 
what that means is that, you know, I think the competition, the added competition has forced everyone to up their game in order to cut through the noise, you know, and yeah. how do you do that? Um, you know, there was a time where, for instance, NBC was the Tiffany network as far as if you wanted a show that was going to win Emmys or challenge the audience in any way, you're probably going to get it there. Then you have HBO come along and it's still some of that thunder. Then you have a Netflix that comes along further, you know. Mm. I think that for the creator, it offers us more opportunity to bring our projects, you know, to different outlets, but also challenges us in a way where you no longer are competing with just the few, you know, a few networks, a few other shows. You really have to think about if you're going to bring a show about, let's say, a, a you know, a, a family, um, quirky family, you know, drama. And you really have to think about how you want to turn it on its head. You know, what are what are the elements that you want to bring that you haven't seen before? Um, and certainly for me, I've, I've seen different types of approaches to material and different types of shows, you know. And so I, I think about always with any type of topic, I think there's a great story in almost any premise, but it's always trying to find the most exciting, interesting, timely way, you know, to, to get it out there. And now it's more important than ever because you're now in competition with perhaps 30 other shows that yeah. might deal in the same, you know, world. How do you make yours stand out? Um, that requires a knowledge of what's been done, what's currently being done, and ways to do it differently. And um, and I've been fortunate at least to be able to pull from a lot of different ways to do things. So I, I always think about that when I'm coming up with a new idea. When you're staffing the writer's room or bouncing ideas off one another, is it still true? Like what fits a network is still like, I mean, is it just the premise needs to be kind of popular where Netflix or some of the streamers might have more of a niche audience? Like how do you kind of balance some of that out to determine this is for millions of people. We want them to watch it, you know, this night of the week, that type of thing. Is that still always important or is that kind of changed as things have went to more streamers and everything i mean listen you know the the business model even though um cosmetically may look different at the core the goal is still the same you know the, these networks still want to appeal to as many eyeballs as possible um on the creator side the hope is that you're able to get into a partnership um where your vision can also help the business entities at hand to accomplish what you know, they're trying to accomplish. It's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where an artist, it's the, it's, it's the marriage that's, that has existed since the beginning of time with, with artistry and commerce, which is, you know, the, as an artist, our job is to entertain, yes, and also engage the audience, hopefully. Um, but at the same time, you need money in order to get your product to, you know, audiences. And so, as an artist, it helps to be mindful, at least, of what the goal is for each network. You know, what is the audience? What what are they generally going for? Um, who are they looking to appeal to, you know, for the most part? I think um, any artist who wants to continue to do this for a long period of time, there's a business side of this that, of course, we have to be aware of. You know, but at the same time, it's a dance. It's a balance, right? Because as an artist, you can't let that completely dictate your creativity, you know, um, or else it just becomes a product. 
And right. certainly that happens. There are writers who do that. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of that approach. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of finding something you're passionate about, something you have to say, finding the right home for it, where that can coincide with the goals of that business entity. And hopefully you have something that can work, you know, both ways that can be interesting artistically, but also can be a really appealing product, you know, for uh, the audience of that particular, you know, outlet. Um, and of course, that's easier said than done. But, you know, that's, that certainly is always the goal. Um, and for any creator in this environment, that's always, you know, that's, that's always the dance. Um, it's finding something you love and finding something, you know, that, that they can make a profit off of. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully bringing those two elements together and, and having something that can last for a while. If you love, you know, telling that story over a long period of time. That is. Right. Yeah. Tell me a little about um, like this original idea, where the idea for SWAT came from, what the pitch was like, and how you kind of pitched it as a as a Sean and Aaron story versus like some other creators bringing in a similar idea. Like, what makes this kind of your your story? Well, you know, um, from the very beginning, I you know I had had an idea for many years about a character. Um, all of my ideas start from a place, a personal place. Um, and so I'd had an idea for many, many years about a character, um, an African-American cop who understood both sides of the so-called Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter debate. This is before they had hashtags. Um, and for me, that was a more compelling dilemma than chasing down, you know, serial killer number, you know, 156. I'd never seen that dilemma necessarily portrayed on film or in TV. And so I'd always had that idea and, and always had wanted to pair up that idea with, in this age, the age of IPs, an IP that would give it probably more juice or a chance to survive um, that would be greater than the untitled Aaron Rasan Thomas project. Um, so when it came time for me to develop, um, you know, when I had an overall deal with, with Sony, um, I met with Neil Moritz's company, Original Film, and, and figured out that an IP that could go well with that was SWAT. Um, we were fortunate at that point, because this was my first run as a showrunner, to pair up with the more experienced showrunner, who was Sean Ryan, who had created one of the greatest cop shows of all time in The Shield. And the idea definitely from the beginning was that you pair up with that experience with, you know, my initial vision and, you know, and, um, um, you know, my initial inspiration for telling the story and what we were able to, to come up with was the idea of taking something that would be full of kick-ass action, you know, beautiful people, you know, um, a cool, interesting world and pairing that certainly with a lot of the passions that I have, which are that initial character and also a world that was very, thought out and very particularly chosen. Um, I chose SWAT in particular because the SWAT team, the original SWAT team was created in Los Angeles and there's a whole troubled history between the SWAT, the origin of SWAT even, and the black community in particular. And I felt like if I was gonna place that character in any world, the world of Los Angeles, LAPD, and the world of SWAT in particular, militarized police, that would probably be the most problematic place to put him other than maybe Russia in the eighties. Um, 
And so that was that was the impetus for it. And we were fortunate enough, um, me being partner with Sean, also partner with Justin Lin, the director of Fast and the Furious, gives us that visceral, that visceral action element. And also to be uh, to pair it up with with really great partners and um, Sony from the beginning, and then being able to sell it to CBS. Um, you know, I do want to say something really quickly. You know, for Will, yeah. just, you know, is that uh, as an individual, one of the things that, and as a fan of television growing up, as a person of color, you know, one of the things that that I noticed as I was fortunate to get bumps and rise up the ranks is that you know was able to notice that and 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 kind of uncover that there are enough persons of color in my position but there's still a level above what my position was you know it's a level above showrunner you know a level where execs look beyond seeing another employee and see a partner and so you know in my experience in working with people like um you know sean ryan or john wells you know, what I discovered is that, you know, a lot of these creatives, um, you know, are not always chosen as additives, but they're chosen as engines who create material because they're given the power to do so. So I also know that, you know, these individuals were, you know, they're, they're, they exist because they were championed from an early point in their career. So certainly my desire in creating SWAT and now moving past SWAT and looking to create other uh, projects is the idea to to build on that and become you know a partner you know um, mm. to create other other projects you know these voices were championed in a way that I'm not sure people of color have been and what I'm hoping to do is to help that pool you know expand um, you know to uh, to operate with their creative freedom at the highest level. Um, and so I've been fortunate to learn from the best. And now I'm looking to, you know, in my own way, build that next chapter. Is some of that, um, so I used to work in commercials years ago, and I was kind of surprised how still kind of hidden everything is, relationships, how to navigate the ladders and some of those types of things. Where do you start to begin to know, like, what is the next step? How to think about this and maybe in more entrepreneurial sense? Like, is it just looking for mentors like what are some of the paths you've you've looked for to like figure out a possible path to go i i think it starts with having a vision a passion and a vision you know i think when it comes to mentorship mentorship can come in a variety of different ways i think i think personally i think you never stop learning you know so if you look at learning as a form of mentorship you can be at the highest level and still learn from anybody you know so if you're going about it with um, with an idea of continuing to grow and having a desire to grow, um, then you should always be open to you know mentorship in a way where you're gaining new information that'll make you stronger in that regard. But I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's, it's having an awareness of what you wanna do and also have an awareness of why you wanna do it. Um, you know, when I look at my space, you know, I, I cannot, ever ignore nor forget what I represent in my space. I'm not just a creator or an executive producer or showrunner, but I'm also a black man in this space, which is very different than the experience of a David Chase or a Vince Gilligan or a Sean Ryan. So what I have to be aware of, um, and I always am, is that there, there are very few who've 
who've had the opportunities that I have. Um, and therefore, I look at it as a responsibility to try to leave the space in a better place than, than when I started. That means when I leave, I don't want it to be that I'm one of the few. I want to be one of the many and be able to say that I also had a, a, a part in expanding and opening doors for those you know, behind me. I think other than John Ridley, there haven't been many black men existing in the dramatic space you know, on the level that I'm talking about, when we're talking about creating, because um, a lot of them hit what we call the ceiling. You know, you have showrunners, but it's going to take forward thinking, you know, for partnerships to open the next level. And that's what I'm interested in now and moving, you know, past SWAT is how do we, how do we expand partnerships of creativity to create content? Um, and also, therefore, I think improve the business in a way where when we're talking about cutting through the noise and finding ways to turn premises on their heads, mm -hmm. that's one way is to also increase the types of the types of creators that you actually have in the fold. What are some of the limits of because like you said, there is so much IP today, but depending on how far you're going back, you're, it's a lot of white stories. I mean, how difficult is it? Is it like can we change this character? Can we change this? You know, I don't know. How, how does that kind of work with like bringing more black stories to the public? I think, you know, you want to think about it as far as, because I think it's even wider than, than just black stories, although that's my priority because that's my own perspective. I think a lot of it is, first of all, you know, is, is looking at, this is how, you know, limited Hollywood has been is that just think about it as far or as what are stories outside of white male stories, like mm -hmm. any stories, like, right. you know, I, you know, whether that's Muslim or Persian or, you know, you know, females like this, that like, we're only at the tip of the iceberg as far as the type of stories we can, we've been able to tell um, in every single genre. Um, but certainly, you know, when I think about, um, you know, moving forward, you know, the key to a lot of this is looking at, again, why you want to tell the story and how you're being, also how you're being authentic to that particular story, that premise, that world, right? So oftentimes in the past, the approach has been the easy solution, which is the cosmetic solution. You know, if we simply just cast a particular character in a different race or a different uh, gender, yeah then that accomplishes, you know, goal accomplished. The problem with that is that the DNA is still the same. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the perspective that the stories are coming through is still coming from a perspective that may not completely reflect the reality of whatever it is that you claim to be going after. So what the business, just like the content, you know, requires authenticity behind the scenes, you know, in every rank, um, in addition to the cosmetic changes, you know? Mm -hmm. So what I would say is, you know, when we're talking about creators of content moving forward, you know, it's not the elimination of anything. It's really the expansion. It's just mm -hmm. looking at, you know, let's, let's instead of going to an ice cream shop and all we have is vanilla and chocolate, let's get some pistachio in there. Let's get some, you know, let's get some strawberry in there. It's just expanding so that you have more choices. So at any given time, if I want to watch a detective show, you know, in the past, that's fit a very kind of slender dynamic as to who tells that story, 
and who is the main character of that story and the background and the point of view on the world. There's so many different ways to tell even just a detective story, you know, mm. and I'm a fan of detective stories, by the way. Um, but that requires, again, the DNA behind the scenes, not simply changing Bosch to a black man, you know, right. um, and it's a great show. I'm a fan of Bosch, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is that there are opportunities to completely look at any genre um, from an expanded point of view, just by by just by giving the creators the outlets to do it. But that requires championing those voices, not just simply introducing new faces to the fold. It's also recognizing talent when you see it and being able to nurture that talent. If you truly want to hear more original stories, you know, it comes from a selfish place for me because I'm a fan of TV, you know, and I, I think um, there are opportunities to see different types of, you know, shows across the board if we're able to introduce new blood to the bloodstream. Where do you begin? And this is uh, probably a complex question, but you said one of your initiatives with this show was to create a protagonist character who understands being a black man, but also being a black cop and everything that entails, especially in Los Angeles. Where do you begin to, when you're having the conversation with the other writers or you're writing this yourself, how do you put that in the pilot episode where people who have no real understanding of that will get it without being on the nose? Is it just about wrapping it around a story or tell me some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, um, the challenge always with that is to look to, to kind of um, not, you know, to look to not to proselytize, you know, but to look to entertain and to kind of introduce the nutritional value, so to speak, within, what I would say, a delicious meal, you mm -hmm. know, so you know, you, you want to make sure that with a name like SWAT and with uh, a pilot, you know, and that's this is with any premise, is that, you know, what are the things that you're excited about too? What are the visceral elements? What are the set pieces? What are the action components that you'll see, you know, in a show like this that you, would, you wouldn't see anywhere else? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you want to make sure you have those things. And then within that, where you find is the attitudes you know, towards certain topics, hmm. the conversations that you have in the midst of going from set piece to set piece, that's where you can reveal a lot of times, you know, interesting aspects of a character that maybe on with another approach may just be exposition, hmm. you know, but exposition oftentimes is an opportunity to reveal attitudes on the world. And that's where, you know, you have, you have an opportunity to explore, all right, how does this particular character, a black man, how does he see the death of a black kid maybe differently than if this were, you know, Bosch, you know, right. or Spencer or, you know, um, you know, it's being efficient also with, with time and with, with lines of dialogue, you know, um, you're not going to have, you know, on a, at least on a major network show, you're not going to have three minutes to espouse on, you know, life philosophies, but you do right. have a few lines here that can help to shed light on why this particular individual has this particular attitude or question that might be different than if he were coming from a different background. Um, so that's what you're looking at. And, and again, you know, when you're looking at why, why tell this story, 
you know, why till why do this particular um, approach? You know, it's a decision from the very beginning that the decision for that show, you know, was that this is not going to be a show that tries to offer answers so much as pose questions, hmm. you know, so at every turn, you know, look at posing questions that the audience itself can debate, you know, hmm. allow that conversation to manifest itself in our audiences right. lives as opposed to the show trying to tell anyone what to think or how to think. Um, but you have an opportunity within the show, though, to use your characters to have that same debate, you know, to have different points of view. Not everybody agrees, um, you know, and to, to do it in a respectful way as well. So that, you know, hopefully by audiences seeing that in the midst of great action and set pieces. And, you know, there's also a sense of, um, again, nutritional value, you know, at mm -hmm. the heart of it, what grounds you know, the action, so to speak, is there, there's something that you get here that you wouldn't get anywhere else. If you were to, if you were breaking in today or giving advice to someone who doesn't really have connections, that type of thing, what advice might you tell a young screenwriter today who wants to become a filmmaker, a screenwriter, showrunner? You know, I was that, that I was that screenwriter, showrunner. I mean, I was that screenwriter before I became a showrunner. Um, you know, I would say this, I would say in addition to the things that you normally hear, which is work on your craft, you know, write, write, write. Um, I, I'm a big proponent over do your research, you know, really. And I don't mean just research for your script. I mean, on the, the business side, um, you know, the people that you admire, the people who have done work that, that you really respect, you know, research what got them to the points where they are. Not so much because you want to follow their exact steps, because your steps will be their own. Mm -hmm. But have an idea of um, what what led to their success, what made them, you know, good at what they do. Um, I think it'll do two things. It'll it'll first of all allow you to understand that, that there's so many different ways to do this, um, so you can make your own path. I think it tends to instill some confidence and understanding too that they have their own screw ups. You know, there's no Steven Spielberg without Sidney Scheinberg. There's no George Lucas without a Francis Ford Coppola. They didn't create themselves. They came from their, you know, their own uh, influences. And then number two, I think what it'll allow you to do, hopefully, is to think ahead, you know, recognize that there are currently those individuals in the pipeline who will also become great, you know. Seek those people out, look to work with them, look to be mentored by them before they become, you know, the giants that they are, you know, where is the, the next Yvette Lee Bowser? Where is the next Issa Rae? Where is, where is the next Vince Gilligan? Um, study the history of the business. Understand that before there, before Stephen Boschko became who he is, he was a staff writer, you know, somewhere. Um, seek out those individuals that um, that you respect before they become big time where everyone's bombarding them. You know, a big proponent of, you know, you can create your own path if you are proactive and if you are thinking about how this business works. So in addition to working on your craft, I would say research the business, research how people gain um, leverage and opportunities. 
and look to create those opportunities on your own by being proactive. You know, look to connect with like-minded individuals. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.